This is Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Welcome to our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving Chesapeake Bay. I'm really delighted that we have Dennis Tracy today. Dennis, it's great to be with you. You've been a friend for a long time. Welcome. Thank you, Will. I really appreciate the chance to talk to you today. So, so for our listeners, Dennis has been involved with the Chesapeake Bay one way or another for a long time from his roots in West Virginia. And I'm going to stop right there and let you tell a little bit of the story, Dennis. Let, give us some background as to how you got to the Bay and um, some of the things you've okay. done. Okay. Well, thanks, Will. And I don't want to bore your audience here with my story, but... Um, Not a bore at all. Not a all bore. All right. Well, I've been doing this for a long, long time, as have you. And I've been in the environmental field since the mid-70s, early 70s, and um, actually start... You beat me by a couple I of know. years. I know. See, I'm, I'm the senior statesman here. <laughs> the, but uh, I will tell you that uh, the environment and the working in it and environmental management environmental protection has been something that I have been dedicated to really all the way through college. I majored in uh, forestry and wildlife at Virginia Tech and uh, my environmental past actually precedes that. I used to spend my summers at a hunting camp uh, owned by my grandparents when I was a child. So uh, the environmental ethic goes deep and far. And I uh, did grow up in West Virginia, very proudly grew up there, uh, and found my way to Virginia Tech after high school. And now, Dennis, I just got to interject. We're not going to hold that against you. You know, I'm a, I, I'm a UVA. We're a UVA family. But, but other than that, you're a great guy. Oh, my guy, gosh. Go we're going to have to end this interview right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I will tell you, uh, Will, the, uh, I was a cooperative education student and worked all the way through college uh, working for the old State Water Control Board, which is now DEQ. Uh, doing, I was cruising the state of Virginia, taking water samples and benthic samples and doing all sorts of really fascinating things for somebody in their early 20s. And it really stuck with me. And I remember my first uh, visit to the James River in, uh, in, in Virginia. Uh, and I was fresh out of West Virginia. I went to a place called Menchville, which is uh, down in Hampton Roads. And I was with my colleagues at work, and I looked out across this really wide river, and I asked him if that was the ocean. And uh, I never lived it down to this day. So, uh, but that's my introduction to the bay, and uh, been uh, worried about it, working in it for a long, long time. Well, we first got to know each other when you were at DEQ, and um, you, you, you know, I, 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 so many good folks uh, in state government, but uh, you were one who really had the best interests of the environment at heart and um, rose, to, rose to the ranks to, to, to run DEQ. Am yeah, I, right? I uh, was uh, lucky enough and honored enough to run DEQ. I was the director under Governor Gilmore. Uh, back in the time. I had worked for him in the Attorney General's office in the environmental section. Everything I do has environmental section on it somewhere, Will. Uh, But I uh, ran the agency from 1998 to 2002, and uh, really it it was kind of a tough time at DEQ uh, when we got in there, but hopefully the dial got moved in sort of the right direction, and uh, we've kept moving from there. 
after that, I think you're, you're fully aware, I went on to work for Smithfield Foods, which is where I work now. And, yes, and, and let, let, me, let me tell our listeners that Dennis Tracy's been a, I'll use your metaphor, a dial turner for his whole career. You, you really did bring some great things to the Department of Environmental Quality and Virginia, and then you did the same at Smithfield. And I want to touch on that, and then we want to talk about Virginia Forever, an organization that has both business and environmental interests on the board as members. And, and Dennis, you're, you're uh, chairman of the Chamber of Commerce in Virginia. I am. And also chairman of Virginia Forever. So y- you have extraordinary business credentials along with the environmental interests that you've said. Let's, let's come now to Smithfield. From DEQ in state government to Smithfield, and uh, then we'll get to Virginia forever. Give us give us a sense of what your job at Smithfield. Okay, was. well, I am um, almost retired from Smithfield, but I still am president of their foundation, which is the charitable arm of Smithfield. Uh, but when I went there in 2002, Will, I had just sued them. Uh, there's a case out there called Tracy versus Smithfield Foods. And it is an adjunct to a large federal action brought by EPA, uh, which resulted in a $12 million fine for uh, discharges from one of the plants into the Pagan River, which flowed into the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, And to be honest about it, I was really troubled by Smithfield. I actually thought they were not a good company and maybe one of the worst in America, sort of uh, cavalier attitude about the environment. Um, when I went there, uh, you know, I remember uh, when I announced it to the DEQ staff, there was a gasp that went up in the conference room. I mean, it was that bad. And I and they said, "What are you doing?" And I, I you know, they gave me the "you got bought off" look. And I said, "Well, you know, you can say that, but I like to make a difference, and I like to go somewhere that actually needs to be improved." And uh, we'll see. I don't know. I might be there a week or I might be there 10 years. I don't, I don't know what I'm walking into, but I do know that this is some place that uh, has given me the chance to make a difference. Well, I'm now in my 15th year, Will, and I can tell you that when I walked in the door down there, uh, it was real apparent to me that uh, this is a shop and company full of highly trained professionals. Uh, completely the opposite of what I was expecting. I was expecting people would always make fun and say cigarettes rolled up in their sleeve and uh, sort of uh, tattoos all over them. And uh, instead, I found a bunch of people in ties worried about the same thing any business would worry about. And uh, they had just not focused on the environment. They relied on advisors to tell them what to do. Uh, Their environmental section was pretty weak. Uh, but they were ready for a change and made that really obvious uh, in the first week I was there. And uh, we've been going ever since. I remember I said, what are my boundaries? How far can I go? And one of the senior uh, officials looked at me and said, you can go until we tell you to stop. <laughs> and the good, news, the good news is they have yet to tell me to stop. So I think things are really well going well at Smithfield. I'm really proud of the company. And I'm proud of relationships that we have with um, all sorts of people, including many NGOs, Chesapeake Bay Foundation included. 
Well, your honesty and transparency is, is something that's been a hallmark of your character for years. And I, I really appreciate telling us uh, that, that, those, that story in terms of your perception and what you did at DEQ, which, you know, Dennis, I mean, you, you, you caught up with the Chesapeake Bay Foundation because, as you know, we had sued one division of Smithfield, the Gwaltney of Smithfield Division, about 15 years, maybe even well, 15 years before. And here's a funny story. I don't think I have ever told you in all the days we've been, times we've been together. When we were suing Gwaltney of Smithfield, telephone, my, my assistant, my secretary called me and said, Will, uh, Howard Gwaltney is on the phone for you. And I said, oh my, here we go. <laughs> so I answered the phone. I, I, I didn't really know my history. Yes, Mr. Gwaltney. And Howard Gwaltney, who was then in his 80s, said, Will Baker, I just want to thank you and the Chesapeake Bay Foundation for what you're doing with that company, trying to get them to clean up their act, because ever since Smithfield bought them, they've been running uh, environmental regulations, you know, down the tube, and you're, you're doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never felt so relieved in my life. And I ended up visiting Howard Gwaltney a couple of times, and uh, over on the um, on the Portsmouth side of Hampton Roads, and uh, just a delightful man. Well, isn't that something? I mean, I you know, it's when you look at if you've been to Smithfield, I know you have, and and many of your listeners uh, will go there. It's a beautiful little town. They're very proud of their town, and they're proud of their river, and that they're proud of their history and heritage. They're proud of hogs. They're proud of pork. You know, who knew? But uh, but they are, and it's very interesting to have people reflect on uh, sort of how we got here from there. The, the one thing that I do know is nobody wants to go to church or Sunday school or, or the PTA and apologize for where they work. And I think Smithfield had gotten to that point. Uh, but, you know, those days are long gone. Uh, the first couple of months, Will, that I was in the job, I'm an, I'm an attorney, among other things, I went to a continuing legal education uh, forum and on environmental law and the speakers were rattling off cases that had important principles about environmental law that was uh, being talked about to a nationwide audience. This was in Washington and of, uh, I'd been at Smithfield, I don't know, a couple of months and they rattled off some cases including the one you're mentioning, uh, Chesapeake Bay Foundation versus Gwaltney. Um, base, uh, for the principle of standing, who can sue and who can yes. do all sorts of stuff. And I looked at my colleague from Smithfield and I said, man, this is not where we want to be. <laughs> we don't want to be the poster child for all of the principles of environmental law. And uh, so we proceeded to make the changes and, and Smithfield was more than willing to do it. As a matter of fact, encouraged us uh, from the very beginning from the CEO all the way through the entire company. And today, I think people would recognize Smithfield as having one of the strongest sustainability programs in the business. So uh, it's, it's a long journey, but, uh, and we're still going. But for right now, we're in a much better place than we were. Well, thank you. And I, I know you'll be the first to say you had a big team, but every team needs a captain. And you were, you were captain of that team. So we, we are forever grateful, Dennis. No, thanks, Will. Let's, um, let's talk Virginia forever. Okay. So this is an organization 
that is made up of conservation, environmental, business, industry groups. Uh, Peggy Sanner, who is in our Richmond office, is our Virginia attorney, is on the board. You've got Nikki Robner from the uh, Nature Conservancy. You've got home builders. You've got Karen Forget from Linhaven River Now, Brooke Smith from Troutman Sanders. Just a terrific group. Tell us, and you are chairman. You are chairman. I am chairman. Tell us a little bit about Virginia Forever how it got started and some of the things that uh, we're all doing together. All right. Well, let me tell you, this is something I'm excited about, Will, so I'm glad you're asking me these questions. The uh, Virginia Forever group is filled with energy. And as you know, in your environmental career, nothing happens unless there's energy behind it. And, uh, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, it was all about statutes and laws, Clean Water Act and Clean Air Act and Superfund and things like that. Um, I would argue that today, a lot of the action is in the private sector. Uh, there is tremendous energy in the private sector about environmental protection, and I think a lot of people don't, don't know that unless you're in those companies. Uh, Virginia Forever started uh, about 10 years ago when the Nature Conservancy, operating under a grant from the Virginia Environmental Endowment, began to put together a group of people from the private sector and from the nonprofit sector to begin discussing issues of common interest. And I was one of the early uh, participants. Smithfield was uh, an early member. And today, uh, the membership, you rattled off some, but it also includes Dominion, it includes Huntington Ingalls, uh, Waste Management, West Rock, Trust for Public Land, the Agribusiness Council, the Soil and Water Conservation Districts, uh, the James River Association, it, the luck companies, it's gotten huge. And what we do, Will, is agree on what we can agree on. No, not often do everybody in the room agree on every, everything uh, relating to environmental protection, but we all agree that we ought to work together uh, in a unified way for water quality improvements and for land preservation. Uh, those are the two things that seem to be the glue that hold us together. Uh, we don't talk about uh, regulatory issues. We don't. We we don't talk about air issues. We don't talk about Superfund. We talk about water quality and land conservation and preservation. Um, and our our role is unique in that we we're, we're not a membership organization. We don't have stickers on the back of bumpers. Uh, we don't have anything like that. We're sort of an insider bunch. We're a 501c6 c4. And the C4 allows us to lobby the General Assembly in Virginia. So we go as a unified front will each year to the General Assembly budget committees, the finance committee and the, and the, the money committees, we call them here, and argue for our fair share of environmental funding. Uh, in Virginia, unlike some of the other states in the Bay Area, a lot of the improvements that have come have been funded directly by the General Assembly out of the general fund. Uh, we don't, uh, not a lot of people down here like the idea of new taxes or, or uh, new ways to, to do things. Uh, so we realized that and 
began to approach them with the idea that we needed our fair share as well. And we've been pretty successful. Um, anytime the Chesapeake Bay Foundation is standing with Smithfield asking for environmental money for water quality, that's a powerful statement. Anytime the Nature Conservancy is standing right beside waste management, writing an editorial to the Richmond Times-Dispatch, that's a powerful statement. And we have noticed that legislators tend to perk up when business shows up. And when we go together, uh, it really has turned into a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for us to get some funding to finish the job of cleaning the bay and to preserve some of the most important lands in Virginia. So we're real proud of it. And uh, if you can't tell, I'm excited about it. And I'll, I'd love to talk about it. You know, you said uh, one of the things you always look for is energy. I certainly do that, and I'd add another E, enthusiasm, and you certainly have that among your members and at the, uh, at the seat of the chair as well. I've always said that when disparate groups can come together to talk and look for common ground and try to enhance that common ground and then identify differences and try to mitigate or minimize the differences, you're just so much further ahead than if you're in separate camps, not talking, uh, meeting, uh, you know, only where in, in an adversarial relationship. So Virginia Forever is, is living proof of how well it works, and we, we really commend you. Well, well, it's thank you, and it is. Uh, it also matches my personality. You know, I'm sort of a peacemaker, and if you if you look at the nature of the environmental movement in this country, we spend an awfully awful lot of time wor worrying about who's good and who's bad, right? Uh, which is an automatic setup for confrontation. Uh, you're either you're either in our box or you're out of our box. You either fit our mold or you don't fit our mold. And I think that has led, it certainly has led to change. I'm not going to argue that, that change hasn't occurred because of that. But I am uh, beginning to think that maybe we're past that point. And if you, uh, back to that idea that I was expressing earlier, if you look at the energy in the private sector right now, and by that I mean big companies, small companies, uh, we just did a poll at the Virginia Chamber of Commerce um, that asked some environmental questions, and it said to a business audience of over 500 people, uh, how important is sustainability to your business model? And 80% said, very important, the top the top rating. Things have changed. The energy has changed. And I will tell you that groups like CBF who recognize that and are working and tapping into that energy will succeed moving forward. Uh, I think those, who, and you see it in the streets a lot right now, which is if, if those who are arguing that uh, you know certain people are bad, certain people are good, I think their voices are getting lost in the haze uh, because it's sort of background chatter. And the real environmental difference, people who, who really improve things, are people that work together. So I agree with everything you just said. The other similarity we have, Dennis, is that you and I are both optimists, and you really can't be in this business if you're not an optimist and don't believe that what you're trying to achieve will will eventually come true, and we're seeing it just as you say. I mean, another great example about private sector leadership, look at the extraordinary situation where you had the oil and gas industry lobbying the president not to withdraw from Paris. 
mean, who would have thought that? Right. Yeah, you know, even a couple of years ago. No, that's right. And I, you know, Smithfield, we have a big deal with EDF right now, and have pledged environmental defense. Fund. Yeah, I'm sorry, environmental defense fund to cut greenhouse gases by 25 percent by 2025. That came out well before any discussion of Paris. That is because we have determined that not only does it save us money, which is an odd thing, Will, but it does. If you really focus on environmental improvements, you save money, and that gets the attention of financial people and companies. Uh, but also, the supply chain is increasingly important, and I think it's pretty much king right now. So, uh, we, uh, you know, companies are worried a lot less about EPA and a lot more about Walmart and Costco and uh, McDonald's and people at the, at the top of the chain. And you're beginning to see the power of that. And, uh, and I have advocated to sort of leave that alone uh, to government officials who kind of want to know where they fit in that model. And I'm, I still think a little bit that maybe they don't fit at all. And maybe they ought to let that go and let that energy and that power go toward environmental improvement and set some goals, much like happened on the Chesapeake Bay. EPA, the government set some goals, and the states have been pushing, pushing, pushing to try to make it happen. Um, I like that model, and I like it when people work together to uh, improve anything, but most importantly, environmental conditions. You're so true. I mean, the who can be against clean water? No one is against clean water. No one is against protecting important uh, tracts of land and putting them in the bank for future generations. And you know, when you say that um, good environmental stewardship is good for the bottom line of businesses, we're starting to see that uh, in the investment area too. I mean, there, there are a number of so-called green funds coming up for investors and they're, sh they're having track records that show that those businesses who are uh, keeping the eye on the uh, sustainability of their operations are doing better and are saving money and are being more profitable. So, I think that's true. And, a, you know, a, a lot of... Well, a lot right. of those early funds began looking uh, for bad guys, you know, which is let's not invest in the bad guys. And they've Screening come on. out bad guys as opposed to looking for the good guys. Yeah. Correct. And now they're, they've begun to do just what you're talking about, which is look for uh, meaningful money-making ideas that make the environment better. And that's a pretty simple formula. And it, it's, uh, you know, I'm like you. I am an optimist. I, I cannot, I, I worked for NGOs in the past. And I, I just can't wake up every morning thinking uh, everything is wrong. And it's, and it's, I'm not saying that everybody does that, but I just can't. And I need to look for solutions. Virginia Forever needs to look for solutions. And I tell you, when you are meeting with people who you don't necessarily agree with, you, you, there are some added benefits. Uh, one you of them. You also learn a lot. <laughs> you, you learn a lot, but you also, you like, we like each other. You know, it, we're not buildings anymore. We're not company names or NGO names anymore. Uh, we're Dennis and Nikki and Ann and Peggy and Will. You know, it's hard for Will to sue Dennis. It's much harder, uh, much easier for the Chesapeake Bay Foundation to sue Smithfield. And we have found that in those discussions, everybody wins and we push the push that rock uh, up that hill just a little bit further each time and I, you know i can't 
emphasize uh, how much this Virginia Forever experiment has uh, come about. It's funded by the members. We don't get, uh, we get an occasional uh, grant from a foundation. Uh, we just got one to do a poll, for example. But uh, the, the organization itself is funded by the private and nonprofit sectors who pay money to be part of this. Well, on that note, let me say bravo. And Dennis, let me thank you so much for your time today, your career in both the private sector and the public sector, and for being such a friend for many, many years. I just am truly grateful. Well, thank you, Will. Same to you. I, I, uh, you and I have worked together for a long, long time. And I, when I was a young um, intern uh, working in an environmental organization in Richmond years ago, uh, CBF was selling prints by John Barber as a fundraiser. And uh, they were kind enough to me to give me the sort of family rate on one of those prints. I paid 20 bucks for it, and it still hangs in my living room today. And um, I think it's worth more than 20 bucks. So, uh, but I look at it, it's called the derelict, I think. Uh, and <laughs> I it know is. The, I know the painting that the yeah. print was pulled from. I sat down with John Barber two weeks ago and uh, caught up after about a decade. He used to be on our board of trustees. He's still doing great, still painting full-time, and uh, is one of Virginia's, Virginia's greats. Well, let me tell you that, you know, having him on board is great, but the Chesapeake Bay Foundation for years and years has been the clear leader in Chesapeake Bay improvement. And I thank you and your organization for doing that. Uh, if I see one more Save the Bay bumper sticker, I think I'm going to have to pull off and, uh, and uh, pull off the road and say, oh, gee whiz, come on now. But, boy, it has swept, swept the entire region. It has swept the nation, and that's all due to you. It's due to uh, Chesapeake Bay Foundation, your board, and others. And uh, let's all work together, Will, and finish this job. High praise, Dennis. And we all know the job's not done, but we're making progress that uh, we could only dream about 20 or 30 years ago. So, Dennis Tracy, thank you very much. This is Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Tune into our podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving Chesapeake Bay, every two weeks. Or go to our website at cbf.org and listen to pa uh, back uh, podcasts uh, going back a couple years now. Thanks so much, Dennis. Thanks, Will.